Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. yourselves for unknowable horror because the call of Cthulhu mystery program has returned yes nerdy show's beloved RPG audio drama of black comedy and Lovecraftian horror is back with an all-new series a chilling tale called the terrible secret of lot X head to CthulhuMystery.com or find the call of Cthulhu mystery program wherever you procure fine podcasts succumb to the maddening call of Cthulhu The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show podcasts are made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Discover the many ways that you can join in at nerdyshow.com. All right, everybody, we are back. It is design episode double deuce. We have no Max today. Nope. But we do have a special guest here today. A particular hombre. Jake the Snake. Roberts. How you doing, Jake? <laughs> uh, hey, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You seem a lot like Doug Banks. Uh, it's because I am. Oh, okay. yeah. I, just, I, 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 I don't want to make you feel bad. I, you're so excited you're, to talk to Jake the by Snake. The way, if you Your were, disguises are getting so much better. By the way, if you were a professional wrestler... Or even an amateur wrestler, and you want to be on this podcast, hit us up. I think, uh, no, I don't think Hacksaw Jim Duggan lives around here anymore. No. He but used to. He used to own a gym around here, and he's a very nice person. If he wanted to play a game, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, I'd play with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Before we get into mechanics, I kind of want to get into a couple things about DMing. Some, some genuine DM advice that I want to offer and, and talk about. Even though I'm not the world's greatest GM, I feel like there's a couple things where I could help people. But you're like top 100, though. I don't think that's even close to true. (laughs) Have you ever like who's the best in China? Do you have any idea? No, that's true. All right. Uh, Do they they have have uh, tabletop games? I don't know. Yes, they do. No, look, they're skinheads in China. They're like oi skinheads in China. I'm sure they're D and D nerds in China. Uh, the skinheads seem like the type of people who would beat up people who played tabletop games. Call, uh, uh, Call of Cthulhu um, just had a supplement that was released, or a supplement that was being produced in China that the Chinese government official had burned. Tight. Yeah, there was an interesting YouTube video about one of the guys in charge of the Kickstarter because the art for this looked amazing. Hmm. And he's like, on one hand, it really sucks that it's going to be delayed for our Kickstarter backers. On the other hand, it's kind of cool to have something that is banned in China. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to write a banned book. Yeah, let's get yeah. on that. <laughs> let's, let's, do, let's make this. Let's make artifacts banned. One of the first things I want to talk about, and, and, and please weigh in, guys. You both, you both GM'd multiple times. Asking for roles when you don't need to, I think, is a, is a mistake that we all make that we can kind of nip in the bud pretty easily. So for instance, specifically with a D20 system, somebody asks you a question about whether or not something is true and you don't know. And we're like, well, give me a knowledge roll. And then they roll and you realize that when they roll, you are not prepared for a one uh-huh. or a 20, 
right? Because then mm-hmm. everything's on your shoulders at that mm-hmm. point. Yep. And you're like, uh, yes, you know the answer to this question. And let me give you a lame response because I kind of just want to move things forward. And I only asked because I didn't want to think about it. Valid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? Yeah. All of us have done this. I think what I've found that's worked better in my experience is when I don't know the answer, I say, huh, I don't know. Which one of your characters do you think would know? And then they have an answer for that. And then we say, okay, well, what would sound, what do you think? What about this? What about this? What about this? Can we all agree on this? And you do like a little bit of world building to answer this question. And then you could just move on. It's not all on your shoulders to be the sole arbiter of the world anymore. Of all knowledge must come through you. Yeah. Well, I think there's also a fun secondary effect of that, where if you need to roll back some of those decisions, if you all made them together, it's kind of easier to agree like, ooh, we messed up. Let's not do that. Yeah. And then you can roll it back and, and redecide. Where if it's on one person, they'd be like, boss, I thought you said X. Yeah. Well, because it's possible for the entire group to write themselves into a hole. Oh, yes, it is. And I think it's way easier to go to your group and go, you know, this this actually didn't turn out to be as fun as I thought it would be. And I could think of a couple ways out of this. And these are what I'm thinking. How do you guys feel about changing a couple of these past decisions? I think retconning, as long as you do it as a group, is yeah. fine. Sure, sure. Yeah. There's, there's nobody left out in the cold. Yeah. But yeah, so asking for roles when you don't need to. If Marvel asked me every time they retcon something, if I wanted to or not, even if they just heard me, maybe I'd like it more. It's true. So, so what do you think? I mean, I, I, well, I, again, I'm not asking you to roll to hear your opinion, um, but <laughs> I would I would like to know uh, what do you think? What what are the what are the advantages of this? The, the asking for the roles is the the temptation for asking for the role is that in many ways, if it rolls middling, you're like, okay, that's your fault. Yeah, that you don't know that much, and I don't have to actually give you an answer yet. I can kind of hold back before making up the thing that I pretend that I know. I can see that. I, I think um, it really depends on how much you know about what they're asking. If you really ha- are pulling up a blank, you got to just say, hey, listen, I hadn't thought, you know, like, let's time out real quick. Or you can try to keep it in character if you want, or you know, just so you don't really break the moment if it's, like, really tense or something. Um, yeah, but- well, I feel like we're not talking about discrete, uh, you know, skill check yeah. roles, like finding a hidden room, checking for traps. We're yeah. not talking about that. This is more of like, oh, would I... Do I have a knowledge of what the weakness to this particular breed of dragon would be? Is that even a thing? Do they even have a weakness? Would I even know? And you're like, uh, do dragons even have a weakness? Like dragon heart? Like I haven't thought whatever? about dragons. You guys yeah. kind of pressured me into a dragon encounter. Right. Right. Like that. Like if you really at a loss, then I don't think there's anything wrong with just saying, well, what do we think here? Who who would be the expert? Who would be the animal expert at the table? Like that's. I think that's a great lead in. Okay. You know. And then you can just if they if they. Do a good enough job. You're like, that's true because they did a good enough job explaining it where like it becomes real. Because mm-hmm. you, it is a group narrative. I mean, that's one of the, it's one of the only experiences outside of like theater sports where you get to do this. I yeah. mean, there were times when we were playing Ghostbusters and you'd have a question about equipment and I would have a fucking clue because it's never really discussed, but I would just say, well, what do we think? And we would just start talking for a minute and then eventually we all, even if we don't solve the problem, we all figure out enough to move forward because the rest of it doesn't matter to the story it's whatever was necessary in that moment and i i feel like there's a couple things we're we're kind of ignoring when bringing this up and one of is a is a point of pride that people take when gming Mm -hmm. and i i'm totally guilty of this where i feel like i can't give up information that i haven't decided on yet Hmm. 
because I want them to think that I've got all this planned out because it makes me look good as a GM and it, it is a little bit vain. But it's there. Letting go of that, I think, is a big part of being a better GM. I would agree. For a million percent in a million ways, I think GM ego is one of the things that can just easily ruin a game. Oh, for sure. In a, yeah, in, in a myriad of ways. I mean, somebody with a huge ego can ruin the game as a player, for sure. For everyone. Oh, yeah. But, um, or, not in, like, or not enough ego. Like, ego control yeah. is very important. And, and let, okay, well, let's talk about ego for a second. There is a version of the GM that's the opposite of this. Yes. That is also a problem where they feel like they can't stick up for their own enjoyment. And there is a, there, we've all GM'd. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely a just a sheer thrill of GMing a successful session. Oh, yeah. That's why it, you it's keep so doing much it. fun. Yeah. Want, it's like you don't you don't uh you don't bowl 300 every time you go out to the bowling uh, to the bowling alley, but when you do, you know, it's like it makes it worth it all the times you Man, throw gutters. Screw that. And it really is 140 and I'm like, fuck yeah. 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 You know it, what I'm saying? But there is a reaction that you get from your group where you're like, I got him. I got him. Not like I killed the group, but like like they're hooked they, to this to what's yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I planned this moment so good and they, they're they've been in. transported to exactly. this moment. Yeah. And it's it's a thrill. It's so much fun. But sometimes a player will stomp on that because of something they want for their individual character that is kind of a meta complaint. Right? Like they want this extra plus six weapon or whatever that they've read about in a book. Now this isn't our game yet, but it's conceivable that it will be. I feel like it's you got to be able to defend your own enjoyment as mm-hmm. a GM. You got to be like, "Hey, I know you guys wanted to do this, but to be honest with you, this is not the kind of story I want to tell. That this this particular kind of plot line, it's it's not only not my forte, but it it is the opposite of my interests. I I, I dread this kind of thing. Can we please just steer this to like let's work together on this yeah. to This is we've we've had a similar conversation where this is why session 0 is so important. Yeah. After session zero, it could still happen. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Or you could just have one character in jail again for the fifth time, and you're like, "I'm out of ideas to do this yeah. thing well, that, again." That's, that's a player. That's a player problem where they go into town. It's like, "I want to just bang every whore I can find," and you're like, "Again, really?" It's like, "That's what I do. It's what my character would do." And you're like, "Do I need to do the voices again? Are we going to act out this whole thing? Are you going to make me do this?" And right. Like, yeah. Yes. Right. You want me to kill your character again? We're gonna we're gonna do. You remember how it went down last time? I, see, you do got, it. Now, you see, got see syphilis. And this it is, happened. This is where I would have an ego problem DMing mm-hmm. because if the same character, if the same player says, "I want to start banging whores again," in the, in the fifth city, that the fifth village you've walked into, or strip naked, or <laughs> similar, but not, I don't I don't get as worried about that. Is deep where, cut my phone? Where I just where I would just start where I realize they're entertaining themselves. So how do I stop this? And I say, well, I need to defend this game because everyone else is having, I'd imagine everyone else is having a good time. Especially when it grinds the game to a halt. Right. I need to, I'm th- my instinct, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, but my instinct is I need to make this side quest, whatever they're fucking doing, needs to not be fun. And suddenly it's like, okay, roll, roll, a, roll a D6. Three. You banged three whores and you fell asleep. On to the next thing. Like, And I, I think other players might appreciate that if it's grinding the game to a, to a halt. But half of that came out of the ego of, dude, you're you're interrupting me for your own, you know, you're just dicking around. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the appropriate response would be to that. I can tell you what my response would be, um, which I, again, don't know if it's appropriate or not. My response is, okay, uh, that's going to have some very big consequences. It's going to take me a second for that. 
um, we're going to cut away from you and we're going to deal with the, what the other people are doing. And then we're going to, uh, and like, while we're doing that, I'm thinking up in my mind, next thing is like, okay, yeah, I mean, 15 town guards come in, you know, you got to deal with them. You're alone. What do you do? You know, and then like really put them in the moment of like, well, I just keep, uh, keep banging the, well, I guess, I don't know if banging yeah, horses is illegal. The thing, the thing is, I'm afraid of, of, of doing, if, if you give them that much space to, to play around in, suddenly they have their own little pocket universe, and it's a game of chicken between the player and the DM. Oh, no, I think, uh, no, that's I, the, okay, so. That's so what I, I'm worried about. I, that's so, what so I that's, think that's, that, I think that's you where you're not standing up for yourself, yeah. is that I, I put them in their pocket universe to be like, consequences are very harsh in this pocket universe, mm-hmm. and it's not a game of chicken. I'm letting you know this is how it's going to go. So you take it as far as you're willing to because at the end of this, you die, you get put in jail, you're out of the campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and this is this sounds harsh to people who have been LARPing where the consequences have to be a little softer, you know, where, where but you also can't really disrupt in that same way because yeah. you're actually using your body. And if yeah. you get naked in front of everybody in real life, they're going to be yeah. like, you do, you're out. Like, right, right, everybody right. will agree. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's it, it's a situation where like I almost think that's the best way to react to it because they don't want their pocket universe they want the reaction yeah and they, 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 and do. they don't and they don't want the reaction from the game they want the reaction from people at the table yes. that's what they're going for and as soon as you're like let's cut away I'm gonna deal with this very dryly if you and if you just start playing the game with them that's not what they want yeah well I I, I think even the non-dry version is fine. Because what they what they're really looking for is that moment at the table where they're like, "Look at me poking the GM." Yeah, isn't this fun? Right. I see what I'm doing I just, to the GM. Not I, not what my right. character's doing in the game. Right. But, but but see what I'm doing to the GM, and you just let him. You're like, "Yeah, sure." You want to punch the dragon in the face? Absolutely. But, I, but I've seen that go on for too long with other yeah. DMs. Well, because they they want to protect the they want to preserve the fun of whatever this player is having. Because they're here to provide fun. I'm projecting a little bit on what I think that they were doing, but I think... I want to do that, too, in a second. Right, right. But but I think, like, I, my my worry is if I give them that pocket universe and then it's slowly whatever, suddenly every other player who's there to play the game, their game is put on pause while I'm, quote-unquote, air quotes here, rewarding the trouble player with their own little side story, mm-hmm. even though it's going to end bad for them, the other players have to sit through this. So I think the pocket universe actually is a solution because what they definitely don't want is them being put on pause. True. So when you're like, yeah, you punched the dragon, an NPC runs up and goes, what are you going to do? Oh my God, I didn't want to have to use this, but I got a scroll of portal to get out of here. And you're like, okay, the dragon is going to take a chunk at you. We're going to see what he rolls in a minute. We're going to cut back to you three. You see this happen. What do you do? That moment where you're like, we cut to you three. Mm-hmm. And we're only paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. So ruins at, their fucking yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. The, the, ruins them their being day. cut out of the group dynamic. We're like these people still get to play the game they want to play. I think that actually dissuades that activity. And you know the moment it works. People are like, oh, when are we going to get back to the thing that's actually happening? Like, give them time to figure out what they're going to do in reaction. No, just you're done. Give and you're also in that moment, kind of saying it's okay. Yeah, you can take this. You're kind of saying like you're allowed to react to this in a way that has consequences for this character, including just letting them die. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to role-play this moment with that person. You can just be like, cool, you guys decide all to take the teleporter. And you're like, I leave him uh, a sword I picked up off that last guy that I'm not going to use, and I throw it's it to good him. Good luck, like, pal. Yeah. Best of luck to you, buddy. Yeah. And no. then we're like, okay, now roll for initiative. It's the dragon's turn. Claw, claw, bite. Boom, boom, boom. 
You're down to two HP. What do you do? And depending on the group you're playing with, that either gets it totally across. But what about the the, the circumstance of as soon as you say, "All right, back to you now, single player." Yeah. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna take a bite out of you, and he, you start to roll that dice, and they go, "No, nah, you know what? I I was dicking around. Sorry, just whatever. Fuck it. We're gonna back up. Like let's not let's undo that." And now you're undoing the past I, I, three I think, minutes. I think that then what that means is that you won. Right. That's it. Like that means like you're like, are you serious? I thought you were going for this. Right. Okay. Well, this is how it's gonna go down from now on. Like if you, you allow them a mulligan, yeah, yeah. you oh. let them know the boundary is set, right? My, I guess again, coming back to in that moment, it takes it's going to take a it it would take a lot for me to step outside of the immediate DM ego of you're stepping on other people's fun. I need to shut this down. Like mm-hmm. that, that's going to take a lot of self. That would take a lot of self discipline for me, for sure. Well, I think, uh, and and Liam and I were talking about this out of uh, off the podcast is um, I'm in, listening in the garage. <laughs> it, yeah, in the garage. Uh, the idea of I'm listening to a podcast is very fun. I wish I, I wish I could name them, but I, I don't want to appear judgmental. And I enjoy it a lot. There are two GMs. One GM is only GMing for Patreon subscribers, and the primary GM GMs everything. Very theatrical. Very like you guys do this, and then this happens, and then they say this. What do you do? The other GM for patrons is, in my opinion, more fun to listen to, only because. They're like, hey, well, how about we do this crazy thing? He's like, oh, yeah, hey, that sounds fun. What do you think that would be like? Cool, let's go with that. All right. So then you meet this guy. What's he like? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, I got it. Hang on. And then he then goes into it. And I don't know why the more theatrical one actually loses me in the moment more than the other one does. Do you think it's because it feels self-indulgent? It might. It might feel like it's too... Because that that's... I've, I've, tried listen, I've tried listening to many other actual plays. Because I, I, I want to... Hear how other people do it because right. I have to get out of my own head. And again, like I said, both of these are very good. Sure, I'm, I'm not. I'm not judging. I just there's one I prefer. Sure, sure, sure. I, but I've I have heard other ones that I I can't name because I don't remember the name of them because I stopped <laughs> listening because there were there's some of them that I like oh, straight up hate. Yeah, yeah, and it's because it seemed very self indulgent of a DM, mm-hmm. like uh, not even in terms of cutting people off and saying no, you can't do that. You have to do my story, but just. And I don't want to. I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm knocking anybody for role playing or doing voices or whatever. But they were so wrapped up in their performance and trying to be funny themselves as the DM. Mm-hmm. It just was sucking. And granted, I'm listening to it as a listener point of view, but it sucks attention away from anything that the players are trying to do. Right. And they're leaping anytime a player is like, "Well, we could try doing whatever." That's a wonderful idea. It's like you're the DM. Let the players communicate. You're doing all the communication for them. Yeah. It that and I will say, if you're being recorded and you think it's going to be released, that's hard. Yeah. That's hard as a GM to just let them go and be like, oh, they're having a good moment. What they're saying, they're wrong about, and I realize they're wrong because I didn't express something correctly before. Right, right. But I don't want to interrupt them. Right. Uh, and do I retcon it or do I just roll with it? Like, well, yeah. It, and in my head now, I'm like, I'll let them have this moment. And then afterwards, I'll be like, hey, I actually meant to get across this, but that was good. Do you want to keep that? Let's we can work around that. You know, this is what I meant. But it, the thing you had was worse for you. But if you like that moment, let's let's roll with that. You know, L- listening to myself in raw recordings, it is weird how when I'm at the table, I'm at the table. I'm not thinking about editing or anything sure. like that. Oh, I'm the opposite. I am constantly thinking about. It. I, I don't. I, I can't. I can't allow myself. So I just I just play the game for the people at the table, and that's it. When I go back and I listen to it, I'm hearing it from that listener perspective, and I'm just like, damn, Doug, you got to work on some shit. You know, or like, oh, you clearly didn't get this thing across that was super important, and then they stumbled for a few minutes. But 
decent recovery, you know, like, or like, or whatever, you know, like, and then I hear how I'll not repeat things, but say them in a different way. And that's how that clicks. Mm -hmm. So like, that's really helpful for me trying to understand how, but when you get to know your players well enough, it just sort of comes naturally. Yeah. Oh, oh, here's a, here's a tip. Record your sessions as GMing and then listen to them later. Even if you never want to do a podcast. Not saying release them apart. So, so we have eight recorded sessions of a campaign that I was GMing that will never be released as a podcast. Yeah. And listen, Except for maybe patrons. No. No, probably no, not. Absolutely not. No. Throw money at us, we'll put them out. No, I don't nope. think so. Nope. <laughs> has to be a lot of money. Hear that, people? It has to be a lot of money. Get going. <laughs> and just re-listening to them, it was fun because I wasn't concerned about how I sounded and nobody else was concerned about any of those things. It was just for us. Mm-hmm. And I, I shared the files with everybody and it sounds great and it's fun and it's funny because you remember that moment but yeah. it also makes you a better GM. Yes. Listening to how you handled these things in the past makes you better for next time. And also, I keep a campaign journal when I'm a player, but I would prefer to have it recorded over audio and re-listen to it. So do that if you can. Yeah. Cuz it helps. So my my favorite moments playing any tabletop role playing game was like was when we were playing your your campaign Liam. I wish we had it recorded. Yeah. Because it would have been in fucking credible. There are some too. good Richard moments that I. Oh God, that was killing it. But I don't, I don't remember them crisply. I know that was ye- that was years ago, him, which him, is weird to fucking think on, about. Like him going into the like the the his cabin on the ship with his fucking books and mm-hmm. his crystal face and it's just all that. Like the images are in my head, but I can't remember the context of why it was so funny. Trying to explain to someone, you got You should have been there. It was so funny. Yeah. But it, if you heard it and the way he would say things, and it was wonderful. Whereas. As the one that we recorded are literal ongoing memes in our group yeah. forever. To this day. Yeah. yeah. I'm a medicine man. It's yeah. the only thing I will say to myself. <laughs> Second GMing topic. And I feel, we kind of right. went off the rails a little bit, but I, I'm glad that I, we did. It was a good before, conversation. I'm, I'm so sorry to make you stop for just sure. a second because I did have one final thought to Please. wrap up that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just that um, I, I, did, I have had a small realization, though, in, in talking about this. And that if two players decided they were going to fuck off and like do whatever i would be way more willing to let them have that pocket universe oh my and, God. and play it out and 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 do that if it is mm-hmm. if it was just one because for some reason with one it feels like a direct challenge and an ego thing absolutely but if two players even though they are fucking around and they're not playing the main game i am way more willing to let them run that have it run its course still have the consequences mm-hmm. and i i can't at this exact moment tell you why that's way better or like why i'm way no, more I, accepting of it i actually understand it because because it's because then to... that's a b plot and not a self-indulgent yeah. bullshit yeah thing. okay yeah. yeah i'm not good at b plots that's in fact i think that's my weakest i don't like splitting parties yeah because i don't like juggling plots the next gm tip i want to i would get into is um delegating something we i think we all have to get better at anytime things get more complex than normal you shouldn't feel precious about spreading the responsibility around. I think I'm going to lean on Doug on this a little bit because Doug and I went to Asheville mm-hmm. or Black Mountain, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and we played a game of Traveler. Yeah. And space combat is very complicated in Traveler. And this GM, I don't know how much experience he had, but when it came to space combat and it was time for something like the missiles, these missiles travel this much on their turn, these missiles travel this much on their turn, uh, who wants to take care of that? You? Fine. You know, just keep track of that. We're going to have more missiles, but this person's going to take care of that. Whose turn it is for gunning, that's actually changes round to round. It, at least it did in yeah. ours. 
And he's like, uh, who's going to keep track of that? Okay, you, fine. And then he would just ask whose turn it was. Didn't have to constantly keep a meticulous track of everything we were doing. Yeah. I feel like that is the key to introducing really fun, multi-level, complex combats. Don't stress about running them. Pick one aspect of it that you can assign to a player. That almost encourages role-playing more, too. Because if yeah. you say, all right, who's gunning? And you just go, all right, I guess I am. And you roll the dice. That's on you then. <laughs> like, if you didn't yeah. role-play that moment, that's your fault. Yeah. It's like, you don't need them to give you something. It's literally saying, hey, the spotlight is open here. Who's hopping in now? Well, even things that are that would otherwise be your responsibility. Like sure. The missiles. The enemy fired this many missiles. They moved this many on their turn. You, it's your responsibility to keep track of how far they go, and they're going towards this direction. So as long as when I come to you, you make sure that that happens, we're good. Because I don't, I've got other shit to worry about. I feel like that's that's a win. Yeah, that's a dual win because it puts a lot of it takes a lot of pressure off the the GM, and then also makes players more engaged on things they're not doing which i i almost think is like half the battle yeah of and, and of th- any game is is engagement on not your turn mm-hmm. exactly and also i think people will be surprised that players are willing to work against their own character's self-interest if they feel that it's reasonable mm-hmm. so if you say here come a bunch of here comes a hundred gremlins and all they do is attack the closest enemy but on their turn, they are all going to move three spaces to the east. But they will all attack the closest enemy if they're adjacent to them. Player C, your job is to roll their attacks. Player D, you are moving them on their turn. They will attack their own characters because they are also responsible to the judgment of the rest of the group. Mm-hmm. But also, it's kind of fun to step yeah. outside your character and work against yeah. your own self-interest. And it, 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 they're willing to take on that if you split it in such a way that it's not too much for them to control. Well, sure. And there's there's also that fun a- aspect of when you start doing stuff like that, it is fourth wall breaking, but at the table. And it reminds everyone at the table, like, one, this is a game. Two, what we're really doing, like, more than even, you know, a single player computer game, the thing that makes this different, the thing that makes this flexible is what we're really doing is we're all telling a story. We're not going through the motions. You know, right. there, there are rules, there are rubrics, there is structure. But at the same time, like, if we die here, we die here. Like, well, it also takes the responsibility for their deaths partly off of you as a GM. Yeah. So some of that pressure is gone. Sure. It lets it feel more like a force of nature. Well, right. And, and that sounds good to me because by the time, if, if in, a norm, in a normal setting, if you just, the, the GM is in charge of all the monsters... You go around the circle, you get back to the GM. The GM has a lot of downtime having to move all the pieces themselves, making mm-hmm. notes, moving those pieces, making notes, and saying, okay, now that one's going to attack, and then they roll, and you're like, Jesus Christ. And even if even if the DM's moving fast, it's just so much downtime. But now, a, a player is doing two jobs. And at first, you might be like, well, they're slow enough, you know, doing whatever. But if you keep them engaged and they're constantly in the battle... They have to pay attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's not... You don't have to catch them up on their turn. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, I think that's a win. If you're moving the goblin towards your character and you're not thinking about what you're going to do, I can't help you. And this can be, honestly, if you're having trouble keeping your players engaged because people's turns are taking too long, this, I think the simplest delegation you can do is have players track the damage of specific enemies. They don't know their health, but they know how much damage that enemy has taken. If you keep them in charge of one or two enemies, if you find that they're generally not paying attention, delegate that responsibility to them, and you don't worry about it. You know what, mm-hmm. that, what that character has for health, and when it comes around to their turn, you're like, oh, how much, how much damage have they taken now? And, that te- and then that player tells you, and you go, oh, they die. Yeah. That's a good moment, if you need it. Yeah, yeah. You know. and and I also want to just like preload a detractor that you might be like, well, what if they lie? And I'm like, then uh, who cares? Because it's a well, game. Yeah. Then there other players yeah. will notice. One other players will notice. You will notice. Mm-hmm. And if they're only fudging it a couple of points, no, it's not. It's not, it, the the amount that you're getting out of it isn't worth the loss of but that. They, but they're also like hedging their bets on what you wrote as their maximum health. Yeah. Because they, don't, they know. don't know. They don't know. I, I've been extremely lucky in that pretty much every game I've ever played, I play with people that I trust enough to just not cheat. Yeah. What's the point of playing the... Yeah. If you well, want to play a game and you want to cheat it, you'll be sitting at your computer with cheat codes doing well, whatever the fuck you want. I'll tell you the point. In many ways, we treat this like a video game, but it's not. When your character dies, it is gone. Yeah. It, and you are Unless you very, resurrect them. And you're also more invested in this character than you are in a video game character. You've put work into them. You have a voice. You have been keeping meticulous ca- track of their stats in the way that a video game can't. You're in their head. Yeah, and, and, and you have to think as them. And if, when that character dies because of something stupid, it's very frustrating because of the investment in a way that video games are not. And that's why people cheat. But if you can make that person feel that in that moment it's important that their character dies that's a win hmm. but i beyond that people are dishonest Some, i mean I, I don't sometimes know. sometimes players just die though yeah and sometimes people are just a bad fit for your group yeah and there's nothing you can do about or it or for the hobby yeah i've definitely found players who are like oh you you don't like any aspect of this why are you here at this table they and like the complaining part yeah i feel like that's the thing they enjoy <laughs> so um doug not to put you on the spot yeah go ahead though are you wanting to GM a campaign of artifacts? It's still intimidating. Let's hear it. It's um, it, and it's not because of of the system. It's not because mm-hmm. I think the system's complicated, or anything, even like that. I think the system's easier for me to grasp than than fourth edition. Mm-hmm. I think in fourth edition, I I understood, but not from a DM perspective. Right. I'm just intimidated by playing on a grid with multiple enemies and keeping track of them in a way that I feel will be honest with the players I'm, i've never cheated anybody out of out of right, whatever right. but like when we're doing theater of the mind it's only because i haven't had experience dming on a grid right. in theater of the mind i have it really clear in my head where everybody is i know what the enemies would do realistically i feel like i'm honest with distances and whatever but as soon as we're on the grid suddenly it feels more like chess 
and I have to remember what each piece is only able to do certain kinds of moves. And I feel like it'll be easy for me to get confused on this guy or this way, who took the damage, whatever. I know I'm a little too worried about it and that it should come more easy. I have great advice for this. All right, then hit me with it. (laughs) It doesn't matter. That's That's the giant secret, is that if you do get confused, you don't even have to bring it up. You don't have to say to your players... You fix it behind the scenes or you try and make it right the best way you can and you just roll through it. Mm-hmm. And just the the point of being a GM is curating the experience. I, I think it's because I like DMing very fast and loose. Like I know I said I do a lot of prep work and I do. I do a yeah. shit ton of prep work. But when we're at the table, especially when we're in combat, I want it to go as fast and as fun as possible. But I feel like when you have objects on the table... And this is like more set in stone as to, no, this guy is here. He can only move in this many directions. Realistically, what would that monster or whatever want to do? I'm, again, maybe I'm worried for no reason at all. But, like, that's that's my worry about it. And I think if, like, if Max is going to run a game, I'm going to be very paying very close attention on how the, how, the, how, the, how the enemies are laid out. And, and trying to figure out, like, how am I going to do it different? How am I going to adapt to this not just this system in particular, but just in this type of role-playing game. The mm-hmm. fact that we're literally on the table doing this. So, Doug, you're caught up on Echoes of the Star Crypt. Mm-hmm. Have you looked at my GM notes after it was over? No. I don't, you I, should. I, I don't normally peek behind the curtain. I think they would assuage a lot of your fears. Because you say, I do a lot of prep work. Mm-hmm. I think you would almost be aghast at how much less I do. Okay. <laughs> Because honestly, it's not about the prep work. It's about being in the moment at the table, keeping track of all these different things. The grid takes away a lot of my worry. Yes. Because a lot of the questions I would be asked are gone. I don't have to keep answering the question or deciding again where they are and and where they're not. Everybody is looking at it and goes, huh, well, and in my head, I'm like, well, I didn't plan for that, but that's fine. Yeah. As a GM, if you're engaged, as people move around and do stuff, all you have to do is make one or two rules about the the combat goals or the overall goals of a monster or a character the rest like it it becomes so apparent when you like it is like playing chess in that way it sure. removes sure i know it seems like they're infinite options but as soon as you start playing the game it's they they start removing themselves very quickly the the other a uh, little bit less thing I'm, I'm i'm worried about but still have a concern about is balancing encounters yeah um that's that's the thing where I'm like, okay, this is a quote unquote new system mm-hmm. for me still trying it, to figure no, it, out. It's you know, new. It's new on every. It's respect. new in every respect because yeah. we're literally making it. Yeah, yeah. But the idea of okay, I have a pretty firm idea of what my players are capable of. Now introducing these things, it's either going to be. I, I I don't think I'll ever go too too difficult, but I'm certainly worried about it being way too easy. That, yeah. So you do more than one encounter, you're going to get a really good sense of that. Yeah. And and I'll, I'll say in defense of our system specifically is it actually kind of tells you what was too easy or too difficult Yes, mm-hmm. very quickly. That's actually something we're, we're going to go over tonight a little bit. But yeah, so I'm, I'm interested in those complaints because I, I, I do want to hear what you have to say after you see my notes. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do want to say three things on, like, do you want to talk about difficulty now or? Uh, let me look. Because I have, I have three things to say on difficulty in but, making counters. But but to your to your question, am I, am, am I going to, am, do I want to DM it? Yes, it's intimidating, not because it's this system, but just because of it's a new medium that I'm not used to in general. But right. it gave them the choice. You're like, Doug, you put a gun to my head. Doug, you have to DM 
fourth edition or fifth edition on a grid or or, or RPG, you know, from scratch or the S dice system, I'm doing the S dice system because I'm right. already thinking it's simpler than the others, at least from what I've seen. Right. From what you've played. From what I've played, yeah. So, yeah, Liam, you had some thoughts on difficulty. Yes. All right. So the three things I want to say on difficulty. Balancing armor and dodge is slightly trickier than you would think it would be because the armor to dodge ratio of how difficult an enemy is to actually like wound and kill isn't even a, like it isn't a one-to-one definitely but it's not even like a one-to-two and armor point matters a single one two is fine but as soon as you start getting to like three and four that starts chipping away a lot don't be afraid to give tons of hit points to things because they can still be burned down in three turns Stuff can have two or three times the amount of hit points as player characters, and you will find a way to have that damage done. I think the way the classes are set up, and that because healing is done spottily and can be done by potentially multiple characters and the way that armor works, don't be afraid to have every now and again, every third turn or every second turn, a big fucking hit. One, once per round, at least. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't be worried about that. The way that we, the way that healing is, it's less impressive turn to turn, but probably more effective overall and a lot more strategic. I, you I can, can already see that. From you the game can we're lay down twenty two damage yeah. in a single turn overall, and the way that armor and dodge works, and the way that you can position and move stuff, or make stuff immobile, yeah. or use control. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of options to to mitigate that in a way that I wasn't aware of, but also I like I, I really almost think that for every Currently, the way that works, every new group composition kind of needs its own test combat, and you'll very, very quickly realize, like, oh, this this team can heal a lot, or this team can just soak up 12, like, 12 damage every turn just won't count. What's interesting is that, as Frixa, my core radiance step one scoundrel, like, what if I just went two steps radiance? Wouldn't I be better healer? Not really, because you get three heals then. But each one is an attack action. You can only do one per round. Yep. So I have to pick which one is more situationally appropriate. Mm. And that matters. So it, it's it's not really a huge buff to take multiple healing abilities unless tactically they provide an advantage that's incredibly separate from the other, which depends more on your group composition than anything else. So speaking of difficulty, I want to get into a subject that I think uh, is becoming more and more relevant the more we play Agnes's Ashes, and it was a it was a problem for me to calculate on the fly when I was jamming for Echoes is chance to hit. How high should an enemy's dodge be? And the way to approach this question isn't I don't think what is your percentage to hit. I think how often should you miss before it's too much before you're having less fun as a result. Mm-hmm. And I asked around uh, multiple places, one of which being the Game Design General Discord, and the consensus was one out of every four is an acceptable mischance if you are supposed to be decent at hitting. Not great, not stellar, but decent. One out of every four is fine. Players have a perception issue when it gets down to one out of every three. It's hard to distinguish that between one out of every three and and one out of every two. Yes. And below that is punishing. Now... In our system, Frixa has a less than half, usually, mm-hmm. chance to hit. But the secondary effect of him trying usually still has an effect. Yes. Which makes it worth trying anyway. So I don't get too frustrated. But I made a table 
uh, and I'm going to show it to you guys. And it is their dodge rating and the bonus to attack and how often you'll hit, but it's done in percentages. Here, I'll pass it around. The top row is dodge. Mm-hmm. The first column is bonus to hit. But I'm more interested in these red and green lines. Yes. Because that is the... It looks like a BMI chart. Yeah. But that's... In between those two lines is, is the butter zone. Yes. That's what we're looking for. So so let me explain. Um, what I did is I made... Okay. I, actually, I love this. This is perfect. You'll see on this chart... And I'll, and I'll share a screenshot of it because I don't really need to share a spreadsheet. It, it's pretty compact. So, actually, that says everything. Right. And you see trend lines that are diagonal, yeah. right? So as obviously as your attack bonus goes up, chance to hit goes up, and the percentage likelihood of hit goes up. So what, what I did is everything that's 100% chance to hit over a certain dodge is gold. Is all the same. Yeah, it, I, I turned it gold. Functionally the same, yeah. Then there's a white space between 100% and 75%, which is one out of every four misses. And that line of 75% is green. And then when it gets down to 50%, that's red. So there's a white space between 75% and 50%. So I think anywhere in that white space is what you balance around for as a GM for encounters. Now, you can go above it. You can go to the 50% range. But I think that should be reserved for very difficult enemies. Very, very difficult, very spry enemies. Yeah, and I think and, you and can, enemies that are very difficult to hit. Yeah, and you can also definitely go on the other end where like, all right, this thing has four times the the regular amount of hp and it's got armor and it, but it's also just a blob yeah it's you, easy to hit you You're won't miss hit it, it. Yeah, yeah you won't miss it yeah so so that's you, just you can, dodge yeah but allowing uh, having that roadmap is super useful so and one of the things this came from is a frustration um because my character's chance to hit is so low and mm-hmm. and in general in our group is is just okay. I think our average is just below a plus three bonus if we were to average yeah. all of our stuff because it might be above that actually. It's it, it's it, just above three because Frixa has a plus. It's made weirder because Slish uses rapid shot and doesn't get to use all his bonuses. Right. Slish and Chuki have a plus four to hit. Grandin has a plus three. Chuki has a plus four that can float to seven. Yes. So so just I'm just talking base. Yeah. Melee. Frixa has a plus one. Mm-hmm. Magically, plus two. But Chuki's, because she's using hands, can go up to plus seven. Frixa's can can get up to plus four, but it requires consecutive hits, which are unlikely because yeah. of the ratio. So if I'm to look at our our group, and I and I'm just I'm not talking about boss characters. I'm just talking about normal yeah. enemies that. So so when I say normal, I mean not terribly underpowered like just fodder yeah trash mobs things that you expect to die first normally we should be in the 75 percent range right we'd feel very comfortable that, yes. feel normal okay so for our group i would say we should shoot for a plus three or plus four average right so 13 or 14 dodge 10 or nine. Oh, really for a normal enemy according to this chart Sorry, guys. No, no, it's okay. I was sitting. I was sitting at thirteen and twelve. I think more than anything else. Well, now what we're not considering is momentum. That is true. So, but I almost, I almost feel for like normal trash mobs. We shouldn't consider momentum. No, we shouldn't for normal. I, I, I'm saying like, yeah, momentum does feel like more of a boss mob, right? So mechanic be- between eight and nine, or sorry, eight and ten. 
mm-hmm. right, for, for trash mobs. And this will not go up dramatically as we level up no. because it doesn't scale that way. So it'll probably move one step further, one step further. But I think as a GM, you should be thinking of the average chance to hit of your entire group. Yeah. Which you'll have access to. They'll tell you. And as the fight progresses, so when you get to something like a boss monster, you can say, okay, with everyone's bonuses, when they're going full tilt, when we did that um, level 10 test fight, Mm -hmm. the champion that I was playing had a plus eight to hit against a single target without any dying to bump it up, Mm -hmm. which will happen. Factor that in, right? Mm-hmm. Like say, okay, well, if there's six trash mobs, yeah, leading up to this boss, he's gonna he might get a plus four on top of that, yeah. So now we're dealing with what a, a plus twelve to hit. Okay, well, so and so's got a plus four, and then there's a plus six. So what are we dealing with? Twenty two. Yeah. All right, and then the other person doesn't really attack very often, so we'll just deal with twenty two uh, divided by three. This is 7.666. That's not what I meant. So what you want to do on this chart is look at that plus 12, and you see that the first not 100% is a 14 dodge. Anything below that is 100%. So you say, okay, well, this person's really difficult, so I want our best hitter to only have a, to have a 1 in 4 chance of missing, which is it means that person's going to regard them as difficult. Mm-hmm. And then we're regarding momentum that they could spend, all that. That person needs an 18 dodge. All right. And then is that too much for the other two people? Well, let's see. Somebody with a plus four. Has to roll a 14. Has a 20% chance to hit. That's a huge disparity. That sucks. So let's meet a halfway. Let's put it at the 45% mark for that person, which would be 14. And then give them some armor. Yeah. And I think that's, that's actually one of the part of the... The balancing act is is going to be armor. Yeah. Because um, I think it's fine if somebody just goes all the way down and it's like, I'm going to hit every time, all yeah. the time. And they sacri- they have to sacrifice to get there. I say let them. Yeah. Let them. Armor is going to be your equalizer. Because yep. the rest of the characters that didn't focus on that don't care as much about the damage they do as they do as a secondary effect. Such exactly. as a scoundrel who wants to knock them flat. Or a deliver poison, or steal their life, exactly, or, or or immobilize them, which is just gonna make them easier to hit. Your citadel, all you want to do is block off a space they can't get through, but you have to hit them. Yeah, or or even all you want to do as a citadel is to get in their face, and then to miss opportunity attacks, and then suddenly more damage will be done on your turn because of than on fire. anyone else's turn. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a screenshot of this spreadsheet so that uh, listeners can get an idea of what I'm talking about and what we're looking at. But I I, f- I feel like just the image of this will help our balancing discussion. As far as rubrics for GMing and how difficult a fight is going to be, I it has to be some way of combining damage with dodge with armor. Yes, and the number of times. That this encounter, not this particular enemy, but this encounter attacks per oh, round. Oh, and health, health. Yeah, and health. And if we can, if we can, I would, I would almost say that it would be damage, dodge, and health as one thing, and then the secondary balancing would be damage. Because dam- damage. Yeah, I'm saying. Uh, yeah, well, I'm saying like their their health, their dodge, and their armor all function to do one thing, which is which is how long the combat will be. Right. Now, the the interesting thing here is that 
because we've moved to the dice tier system, all of those metrics are linear now. Yes. Which means that we can do it. We can come up with a formula to do it. I'm not going to do it tonight, but I feel like we're on the right track. Now that I've got this image in well, front of me of, of the sweet spot for all of these hit and miss chances. Yes. And that's going to be step one. And then what we can do is, is figure out sort of of base nomenclature for like, all right, so this is the amount of times or the percentage of times on average this group is going to hit. That's going to affect the HP total this much. And Mm -hmm. then you factor in armor. One point of armor might be worth, I think, like 10 HP. But then if you start, when you, four is so much more than one. Yeah. As as armor goes in an amazing way. Well, because it's cumulative over however many times they get hit. Now, here's the thing. Your group, you may have to ramp up the difficulty. You may have to ramp up the dodge rating and the armor if, let's say, you have that guy who focused on hit. And he's champion, deals yeah. damage. He's gonna get. He's gonna get a plus twelve every round. Yeah. You got two people, even maybe even three people, who just took one step down command to use take the shot. We we did a test run with this with with something yes. else that becomes just sick. You have to raise the difficulty for everyone. Otherwise, they're just going to steamroll everything. So, Doug, bringing up this technical aspect here, uh-huh. you expressed concerns about balancing for difficulty. Right. Does this make you feel better or worse about how easy it will be? Both. Okay. Only, and that's only because of personal taste. Because on one hand, making it linear, great. You show me a graph, I can figure it out. The The thing that makes me feel weird is that i don't like numbers in general <laughs> it has nothing to do with 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 how it's balanced it's like if the fact that you have that on on the grid there and say oh yeah cross this line you're gonna hit more than this you know statistically speaking you're gonna hit 75 percent of the time this time you're 50 i'm like oh well, that really makes it h- how tough do i want the enemy to be fucking love it great it's mm-hmm. just trying to keep track of the numbers of okay well if his armor's this and his dex is this, in conjunction with all that, is that going to make it more difficult or is that going to make it un- unnecessarily longer because I gave him too much armor, even right. though everything else, like if the dex is fine, but you know. Now, now here's, here's a consideration, is that Liam and I have not had this graph until now. Yeah. So, But you've both had way more experience playing this style of, of tabletop RPG than I have. Yes. Okay. Slightly more, not I way did, more. I did want to see how, I, how hard I could push armor and see how mm-hmm. rough it was. And it was rough. But I, I didn't du- feel bad about it because you exist and you're still better than anything I, th- I threw against you. <laughs> so, okay, I, I, feel, I feel good about this. I feel like we're on the right track. Um, I, I, know the, I know the numbers discussion for many people is very alien to their yeah. experience of RPG. And honestly, I, I I'm, feel I'm, like... I'm the one in their shoes. <laughs> right. I, I feel like I, I love numbers, but I do think it's the, it's, they're important to have to back up claims... But they're the wrong way to think about it from the perspective of a player. Yes. You you need to think about how it feels at the table to miss. Yeah. That's the, what's important. The, I think the number should mostly be on the GM side. Doug, you decide to GM a game, and, and, and I'm sure you're going to at some point. Part of session zero should definitely be knowing everyone's armor, knowing every, everyone's maximum amount uh, of damage they can do, what their percentage of hit is going to be, because that's really how you're going to build your encounters. I think more than anything else, because you can you can accidentally build a party of just everyone has four armor and they're okay at everything else, but at, on base everyone has four armor. Mm-hmm. That will vastly change the way that you need to make enemies. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about GMing experiences and things to expect. Minor note as a player: uh-huh. if you have a cool combo that you're setting your character up to do. 
it's really nice to have a GM that you will trust that will allow that combo if you can tell it to him. Yes. Instead of trying to block it at every stage. Because you want them to balance around your fun, not around their idea of what a difficult encounter should be. Yeah. So you say, I have this character that can set up to do this thing every once in a while, but when it goes off, it's great. And it's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that ball on the tee for you. So you knock it off, but it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to design it in a way that's not going to ruin it for everybody else. That's what you want. You don't want the person that you have to surprise with everything you can do, and it ruins their experience because you needed to keep that information so that they wouldn't ruin your experience. Yeah. And it's also a situation where, like, if you want something to be difficult, one of the ways to do it is to take a tool away that a, a, a group or a party is, is doing, but never take away three because uh, you think three is not that many because they have ten things they can do. Three is only only a third of them. But now they, they would have just played a different now, character. Now, yeah. Now it's a totally different thing. And yeah, now why why do you have, oh, you're a fire mage in the elemental plane of fire. That happened in other systems because they it, that was the second place they went. And you're like, I really, you really should have, when I made this character, you should have looked at me and went, don't do that. Yeah, this you're, is not, you're not going to be able to do any damage. This is a game. Yeah. We need to be, you need to clue us in at least. You don't yeah. need to tell us exactly, but be like, hey. You may have more fun if you don't take all that fire stuff. Yes. Because of what's coming up. You don't know about it. But it's not all fire, but you need to just please be more diverse. You'll have more fun. Yeah. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We're patrons. We love you. You're amazing. And as always, you can check us out on patreon.com slash RPGFS. We post everything we do on there. And if you want to communicate with us, that's the easiest way to get in touch with us. We watch every comment you make and try to interact with you as much as possible. Also, if you like this podcast, please evangelize it with us. Nothing spreads gaming culture like word of mouth. We love you. If you love us, tell your friends. Tell iTunes. Give us an iTunes review. Give us a Podchaser review. Also, tell your, your just local gaming friends. I mean, everybody wants to play a new system. Just write the webpage to our Patreon in marker on bathroom walls. Do it. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's patreon.com slash RPGFS. Uh, yeah. Just put that uh, every bathroom you go into from now on. Just write that, please. You can find us at facebook.com slash RPGFS. You can also find us on Instagram at RPG from scratch, but that's all one word. And we're also on Twitter at homebrew hombres. So thank you so much. Please reach out to us. We love hearing from you. And until next time. Stay safe, stand watch, and get a full rest. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.